Because I was reflecting on what happened last Sunday. And, and it, really, it really is true that we really do believe that, that we had church and that, that God moved in and through what happened with Daryl last Sunday. I was, I was thinking about, okay, you know, our, our view of church can, can really be challenged in moments like that. And, and, and some might even have left here last week going, I don't think we had church. Because there was because there was no sermon, don't we have to have a sermon to have church, you know? And this this idea of of uh, what expectations and our and our and our anticipation or our thoughts of what something is supposed to be can can really spin us if we're not if we're not careful, right? And we talked at the beginning of service. If you were here, it's Palm Sunday, right? And and we talked. Jesus uh, gets on a donkey. Right. And, and now we know, right, the donkey was the official animal of Jewish monarchy. Him arriving into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey was Jewish custom of how royalty arrived. It was fulfilled prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9. Right. And so he's coming in and people are yelling what? I, I can't. They're yelling what? Hosanna. Right. Which means. Save now, right? Everyone, right? It means save now, right? Deliver us. They're all excited. Everything's happening. And, and yet they were a little, well, not a little bit. They were a bit off with why they were saying Hosanna. Because they were yelling, Hosanna, save now, deliver us, Jesus, from Rome. From Roman tyranny. So the crowd gets stirred up. They're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. And it wouldn't be too far of a stretch to people being like, hey, who, what's happening? The king has arrived. The military, political leader, the Messiah, has come to liberate us from Rome. Now, of course, as the week played out, and many of them discovered, nah, that's not quite why he came many of them might have been disappointed many of them might have been angry you ever have that situation in your life where you were let down you had this expectation of what was supposed to happen but i thought but i thought but i thought you got to work through anger and maybe sadness desire to get back right and sometimes and that happens in the church. And that's why we spent really almost the last three months on this idea of grace. Because many of you have been challenged with your view of God. But I thought God was angry. I thought God was a God of wrath. I thought God was the big principal in the sky waiting for me to mess up and get called to his office. And we've, we've, we've seen biblically all the way back to creation, all the way back to the fall and how he handled Adam and Eve. God is a God of what? Grace. Grace. And now why is that important? Because how you live your life to a large degree goes all the way back. If we trace it to, 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 all the way back to your view of God. How you interact in the church, what you do. All comes back to, is God a God of angry, anger and wrath or is he a God of grace? And hopefully you've seen biblically and you're starting to go from your head to your heart. Oh no, he's got a grace, right? And the throne... When he said, come to the throne of grace, many of you were like, I'm not going there. Because you still saw coming to God as the God of the throne of what? Judgment. 
And we saw over the last couple of weeks, no, it's not a throne of judgment. He wants you to come continuously facing forward, boldly speaking what's on your heart because it's a throne of what? Grace. And when you come to the throne of grace, what did we find that you find? Sympathy, understanding, compassion. Not, ah, you blew it again, or I told you so, or when are you going to get your act together? It's like, no, you know what? I get it. You had a rough week, didn't you? Yeah, I know this issue. You've been struggling for 20 years, haven't you? I know you're struggling with that. And when you come to the throne of grace, you find sympathy and compassion. And then you find mercy. You don't get what you deserve. You get grace. You get what you don't deserve. And help. Remember the word pictures for help? In Acts, the ship is in the storm, the hurricane, they're afraid the boards are going to split apart. What do they do? They wrap the ship in what? Ropes or chain? And we saw in our own life when we cry for help and things are falling apart and bursting at the seams, that word help means God comes along and He does what? Boom. I got you. I got you. And some of you are uncomfortable with that. You're like this. You know, the first time I I hugged Scott, I hugged him like ten times that sermon, right? And it's uncomfortable. You're like this. And some of you are like this with God because you're not used to a God of grace. So he wants to wrap his arms around you. He wants to give you sympathy, compassion, grace. And you're like this. You're like this. And it might take a while, so I need to do this. See, even this morning, some of you just need to do this. And when he holds you, you've got to let your, your weight just rest. Stop trying to help him hold you up. The whole point of him holding you is to hold you. Some of you just need to do this this morning. All right, you got me. He said, I got you. And the other picture for that cry for help is, is it's a cry, but the listener is listening. And when they hear it, what do they do? Come running. That familiar verse, the Lord is my helper. That means that Jesus, the minute he hears your cry, boom, he comes running. And so that's why we spend so much time on understanding biblical grace. Because not only does it affect your view of God, it affects to your desire to come to Him and be with Him and then allow the Holy Spirit to have His way. That word let. To let God have His way in you. So many of us are so caught up trying to prove something to God and show God something and then measure up in church. And all God's, you know what? Can you just time out? Eh, I'm a God of grace. Will you just let me be God? Will you just let me live in and through you? Will you just let I wouldn't say let. That's a tough word, huh? Let me help you. Oh, no, I got it. Anyone ever say that? Let me pay. Oh, no, I got it. Turn to someone and say, just let them. Go ahead. Just let them. Just let them. Right? Right? Just let them. Isn't that free? And you just say, what do you say? Thank you. Right? It's just it's a simple thank you. And so we, we spent all that time on, on grace this way. And now we, now we started to ask about grace this way. How does, it, how does this vertical grace, how does coming to the throne of grace, how does that play out this way? And we said two weeks ago, uh, this is very, very real because many of us wear these even in church. We wear masks. Some of us wear the mask of superficiality. Oh yeah, how are you doing? Everything's good. 
How was your week? Good. Praise the Lord, brother. Can I pray for you? No, no prayer requests. I'm good. Now, things might be good, but maybe they're not. Right? Or the, the mask of religious performance. Oh, I've got to measure up. I've got to measure up. Even in the church, we wear masks. Right? And so we're, we're asking, how does, how does grace with God help us to play out this way, right? And we saw the first verse was Romans 15, 7. Right? Let's go ahead and turn there. Romans 15, 7. I believe that's where it was. Yes. Romans 15, 7. Paul is talking to the Roman church. The Roman church was diverse, as diverse as you can get. It had strong Jewish legalists. It had Gentiles who were eating and sacrificing to idols. Jesus comes along. They all put their faith in him. And all of a sudden, they're lumped together. Boop! How is that supposed to work? See, we don't, we don't realize that because many of us here grew up churched. So we know how to play the church game. What happens is, if all of a sudden we got an influx of unchurched or people, new believers in here who didn't know how to do church, then it would get a little bit, eh, right? And so that's what Paul is addressing in Romans 15, 7. He says, hey, accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So our starting point two weeks ago is, you know what? If we're going to extend grace this way, if we're going to have unity and true love, we've got to accept one another as what? Christ accepted you, which means when you were helpless and you were ungodly and you were lost in your sin, he accepted you on the basis of faith in who? Jesus, by grace. You didn't have it all together, did you? How many of you still don't have it all together? Does he accept you? On what basis? Grace through faith in Christ. It's who you are in Christ. And so when we gather... In the diversity of even this body, whether it's age, race, whatever, gender, church experience, lack of church experience, new believer, believing all my life, 50 years. He says, hey, at the core, here's how we start, church. We accept one another in Christ as we were accepted in Christ. Amen? That's the starting point. That levels the playing field. It really levels the playing field. Because many of you come here and many of us go to churches and what's the mask? Do I belong here? So until I'm comfortable really, really believing in my heart, not my head, not what I hear from people, but until I believe it here, I'm going to wear a mask because I'm not so sure I belong here. I'm not so sure these people really accept me. What if they really find out where I've been? What if they find out my past? What if they found out what I did last night? Am I still accepted in this place? It's, it's, it's this question. God made us to be relational, and along with this fallen world comes huge fears and insecurities. Do I belong? Am I accepted? And God addresses that in His grace. Hey, I accepted you. Just do the same. Just do the same. And you guys are so good at that. I love meet and greet. Because what do you do during meet and greet? It's more than, hey, I'm glad you're here. What you're saying at the heart level is, hey, I accept you. You're good. You're good. Right? 
That's, that's what meet and greet is. It's going around acknowledging people's value and your worth and saying hello, but at the deep level, it's communicating to everybody in this room for three minutes, we accept you. Even if necessarily you don't believe what we believe at this time, you're God's creation. And, and there's still the gospel that is still, the invitation is still there. So at that level of being God's creations, we can say, welcome. But in Christ as believers, we can say, hey, we're in Christ, right? You remember this church rhyme? Remember this? The traditional way was, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the, right? Three years ago, I destroyed that for all of you, I'm sorry. And I said, that's not biblical. That's not biblical, right? I said, here's a building with or without a steeple. Open the doors. The church is the people, right? So everyone do this. Come on, because this is very important. If we're going to extend grace to each other, you got to learn this, right? You got to learn this, okay? So here's a building with or without a Okay, so you have a choice. Go ahead and build it or not. It's not your, your choice, right? Open the doors. The church is the... Okay, turn to somebody else and say, there I am. Go ahead, just turn to somebody else. There I am, right? There's someone. There I am, right? Okay, so here's the deal. If the church is the who? People, which means who in this room? You. What are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be doing? See, because the other mask is... Am I accepted here, meaning, do I fit in, meaning, sometimes I'm going to wear a mask because I, no, I don't have a clue how this church thing works. They stand, they sit, they read the Bible. I don't even own a Bible. They sing songs. Everyone knows a song but me, right? And we have this fear in church of, I don't fit in because I don't, I don't know how to do church. It's all new to me, and we're afraid of, of being rejected or not belonging because we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. So we're going to spend time this morning and, and however long it takes. What are we supposed to be doing when we gather? Or just in general in our relationship with the Lord, right? This idea of unmet expectations and all this kind of stuff. And I thought of this. You know me. I like to use illustrations, and we've used this a year ago. So I need some help. Pat, Robert, two ladies want to help? Kathy, awesome. I, I need one more. I need one more. Kind of someone physical. Susan Glenn, you've been volunteered. Your son nominated you. All right, so Pat and Kathy, you can sit in the front there, right? And Susan and Robert, you can sit back. Bill, if you would give them each of them an oar. We're going on a whitewater rafting trip. Front row, do not hit the back row in the mouth. Okay. All right. 20 years ago, I took high schoolers down the Kern River. And, and... There's instructions given. And here's our guy. He says, okay, we're going to go down. We're going to hit rapids. I need you to listen to me. It can be a lot of fun, but I need you to listen to me. And the guy's in the back, and he has his own little oar. But he says, we're going to do commands. So when I say forward paddle, everyone forward paddles. So forward paddle. Forward. There you go, Kathy. Okay. Forward. Forward. All right. Stop. Right. Now, when I say right paddle, only the right side paddles. Right paddle. Stop. Good. Round of applause for the right side. Okay. Left paddle. All right. Round of applause for the left paddle. Okay. Okay. Back paddle. Pat. Back paddle. Pat. 
Okay, paddle backwards. Okay, back paddle, right? Okay, stop. And then he would say, and when I yell dig, you roll as hard as you can for as long as you can. And, and just like your life depended on it, you, when I yell dig, you forward paddle as hard as you can. Dig! <laughs> okay, so we go down and there's some big rapids. So what, when it was a really big rapid, what we do is we would park and he would, he would get us where all we could see. And I, it's me with a bunch of high schoolers. And he said, okay, we're going to hit that rock, and then we're going to bounce. And he would map us out what we're going to do, you know. And, and your heart starts beating. He says, okay, you guys ready? Yeah, we're ready. So we go. He says, forward paddle. Okay, and you pick up speed, right? Stop. The current takes us. Right paddle, right paddle. Stop. Left paddle, left paddle. Forward paddle, forward paddle. Stop. Back paddle, back paddle, back paddle. Stop. Dig, 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 dig. Stop. Okay. Now, at the end, you look back and everyone gets out of woohoo. Everyone goes woohoo, right? right? We survived, you know. One time we came through this big rapid. I was where Pat was in the front. Everyone goes, woo, we're all cheering. And we look, and someone's missing. Someone was missing. And we're like, and I'm the youth pastor. And I'm like, this is not good. And we're going, and it gets calm, and you're like, where is she? And I kid you not, I mean, my heart started to beat, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, this, this mouth comes out. And what happened is she kept coming up under the boat as we're going along with the current. She's like, dong, 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 right? Things happen, right? And, and so what do we do? We, we got her in, and, and it was good. Now, the point is this. The key to enjoying this ride is for each of them to do what? Work together. Listen to who? To the guide. They have to have implicit trust in the guide, knowing what he's doing. And the minute he says, do something to do it, and when to stop, you get what I'm saying? They have to have implicit trust. There was another boat with a guide and students next to us most of the trip. For whatever reason, they did not connect with the guide. I don't know if the guide was new. He just didn't. Uh, we came to this one rapid, and we went through, and, and we, we saw them, and we kind of passed them. They were stuck on a rock in this rapid. And the boat was in there, and everyone had put their oars down and into the moat, in, the, in the middle of the boat crying, oh, 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 and the guide's like, move, move, right? And, and, and it was this horrible experience for this other boat. Why? Because they didn't have the relationship with their guide. They didn't think he knew what he was doing. They weren't willing to whisk. They had no confidence. So when, when it got really bad, they just tossed the oars and cowered in the middle of the boat. Right? Thank you very much. You guys can head back. Let's give it a round to our volunteer. Right? So what are we supposed to be doing if we're all... If we're all in church, if the church is the people, and God says, here's your Bible, here's your Bible, and instead of a boat going that way, you all are in pews going that way, and he says, we're going to start this church called OVCF, and we're going to invite you along to be a part of this body, here's a Bible, here's a Bible, here's a Bible, here's a Bible, what are we supposed to be doing? Just like randomly rowing at whatever pace and... You know, we would just go in circles. We would just go in circles. 
And so we're going to spend this time, you know, turn to Hebrews 10, and we're going to see what are we supposed to be doing that unifies us? What are we supposed to be doing that unifies us? Hebrews 10, and we're going to start in verse 19. We'll go through a couple of them today. We'll go through all of them. Then we'll come back in uh, two weeks, and we'll continue on. Hebrews 10. Begins again with this vertical relationship, us and Jesus, us and God. What does that mean, right? Hebrews 10:19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, right? Come to the throne of grace, right? Jesus died. Remember, there was, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. It's like, hey, come on in. Come on in. All the time. It's open. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have such a great priest over the house of God, right? Verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I love that. If, if you're in there, he's saying, let us, let us, let us. Who's he talking to? The church. Us. And if we're going to come in a place where it's beyond, okay, we accept one another, but now let's be unified in what we are supposed to be doing. Amen? So let us. And sometimes people will say, hey, pastor, what are some things I can do to really spiritually grow? What are some check marks? What are some things that I can put in place? What are some stakes I can drive in the ground? Here's five incredible things. Because in, in 20 years of pastoral counseling, when people have come to me with issues, oftentimes one of these five things is a miss. That's why. They've, they've sort of drifted or they've neglected one of these and it's spun them off over a period of time. So the first one is what? Draw near to God. It's in your uh, outline there, little blanks, right? Draw near to God. It's similar to the verse we saw in Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So the first thing is to draw near to God. And it's present tense. It means continuously. It should be your life. Now, remember that verse, pray continuously, pray without ceasing. It's an attitude. So, first thing, vertical, draw near to God. Every person in this room, we corporately draw near to God. But here's the truth. All of you sitting in this room, do that individually. It's, we're commanded to draw near to God in who we are. It's just our life, continuously. Sure, there's quiet times. Sure, there's times of Bible reading. Sure, But he's talking about bring God into every area of your life at all times. I shared before, this was years ago, when I used to wear a watch with a little hour chime. Right? You ever used to have those? Right? I don't know if you still do. You used to chime every hour. I used to use that little hour thing. Every time I hear the chime, it would remind me of God. It kept me in tune with God throughout the whole day. Ding, ding. Oh, oh yeah, God, okay. Let me, just, let me just acknowledge you. Every hour, I had to develop that habit of practicing the presence of God. I needed that little tool. So the first thing is, draw near to God, right? Second, it says there, let us hold unswervingly to the hope 
we profess. Doctrine. You got to hold it. You got to know what you believe and why you believe it. Next week, Easter, right? You, I'm, I'm kind of an apologetics guy. What does the Bible say? If the resurrection didn't happen, what? Our faith is futile. Let's go home. Do you know that? Are you going to hold on to that when everyone else around you says, you believe in that resurrection myth? You still believe in the Bible? You believe it's inspired? You believe it's inerrant? You're going to live your life according to that as your authority? What are you going to say? Yes. Because at this church, we are going to hold unswervingly to this. And some people will visit and hear that and they won't come back. And some people will hear that and go, I'm home. Because we believe this is God's word. We believe it is the authority in our life. We believe it's truth. And everything, I do this a lot, and I encourage you to do it, everything in my life is seen through this. If I can do it. Everything in my life is seen through this. What am I doing? See this? Everything in your life has got to be filtered first through what? What the Bible says. Everything in your life. What you see on TV. What you hear. What you say. This is the filter. You got to hold on to it. Unswervingly. Unswervingly. Swervingly. Despite popular opinion. Okay? Unfortunately, even in church, it's not very popular. But we're going to do it because it's obedient. Amen? Okay? Next one. Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, that word consider means to have your mind fixed on another, to think about somebody else. To think about somebody else. And what does it say? How you, you can spur them on toward love and good deeds. That word spur, I love it. It means to irritate. In a positive way. The most loving positive way when we get together i'm supposed to think about you diana i'm supposed to want you know know what's going on in your life and then i'm supposed to irritate you on toward love and good deeds i'm supposed to provoke incite that's what that's what that word means what it means is i just don't say hey carl how you doing but oh that's good it's not no this week i'm thinking about carl i know what's going on in his life lord how can i spur him on to love you more how can, I, how can I help Carl in very practical, real ways grow in his relationship with God and others? Amen? See, considering others, one of the things we do, we draw near to God, we hold fast to truth, and then our minds aren't even about us. I mean, lovingly turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about you, sorry. This verse tells us to consider who? Others. It's about others. Right? And then it says, not give up meeting together. Okay? Right? I shared this with you before. This vase represents all the busyness in your life. Who here has a busy life? Who here acknowledges that your, your, your cup is pretty full? So here's the thing. Many of us will say God is my rock, but our, our cup is so full that we just sort of tag him on to the end. And hope he fits. See, here's the thing. If you're going to not give up, if you're going to drive a stake in the ground to commit to meeting together, and in the early church that was every day, not just once a week, you've got to drive the stake in the ground. 
other things have to work around this. See, this, I don't do this because of my job. Even before I was in pastoral ministry, going to church and being on time was important as a job interview, as a doctor appointment. Anything that you prioritize in your life at the human level, church has got to be there, if not above it. That is why we start on time. It's glorifying to God. And we want to we squeeze every minute out of our time together. Amen? You can't give up meeting together. You have to drive the stake in the ground. You say, I've got to be there. As much as you say, I've got to be at work on time. As much as you say, I've got to make my doctor appointment. As much as you say any of that, you better be saying, I've got to be at church on time. Isn't it amazing how we just disrespect God? But our employer, oh, no way. They don't lie. I can't be late to my boss. Oh, okay, but you can blow off God. And what's up with that? You know? Not give up meeting together. Right? Last one. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. And so I ask you, you know, we're going we're to look at these more and more over the weeks. When we get together on Sunday mornings, and we've got our Bibles and we're rowing along, I asked you this question three years ago. Do you come here to be a getter or a giver? Is church about what you get, what you get, what you get? I like the music. I get, I get, I, I get good feelings from the music. I like the preaching, maybe, but I get, you know, right? Is church just about what you get? Or when you come, here's my challenge to you every Sunday, before you get here, before you leave your house, Lord, I want to be a giver today. Lord, today, in the hour or two or whatever that I'm at OVCF, would you lead me to someone that needs encouragement? Would you lead me to someone that I could possibly irritate? You might, who, okay, nicely, who's sitting next to someone that positively irritated you so far? Right? I mean, right? Ernie, don't raise your hand, right? So, better not. So, no, it's a positive sense. Wouldn't it radically change our meetings if everybody here prayed before you got here? Lord, Lead me to someone today to encourage. Lord, lead me to someone today during our time together that I can spur on to love and good deeds. Because, Lord, I'm going to be blessed just because I go and do that. But it's not about me. I don't want to just be a getter. I want to be a giver. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be radical? Everybody in here is giving, 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 not just the people up front. That would be awesome. You want a little church that turns this valley up on its head? We got 60, 70, 80 givers. And many of you are already doing it. Miss Card Writer. How many have been encouraged by Sally's cards? Oh my gosh. <laughs> She's encouraging. It's encouraging. You're living that, Sally. You're a living testimony. You two come when you're not feeling well next last Sunday, but you've got to be here because you don't give up the meeting. And you don't know what's going to happen, but you, you're going to stick it out, Daryl, and it takes you about 10 or 15 minutes just to get to your car, get him settled. It takes you 10 or 15 minutes to get here early because you're a greeter. Why? Because they drove the stake in the ground that they are not going to give up meeting together. They drove the stake in the ground. They do whatever it takes to get here early to bless you. It's not about what they're getting. They get here early because she is committed to being a greeter. They get here early because Daryl wants to come and be with you and bless you. And as a byproduct, they're blessed. Amen? That's what we're about.
So kind of a quick overview. We're going to look at these, the challenges. Lord, what are we supposed to be about when we're together? You like the, the word of the day? Lord, I don't want to just be a getter. I want to be a giver. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are the ultimate giver. You gave your son to die for us. And by grace, we are saved. And so we rejoice in that on this Palm Sunday. Jesus, we are saved. Thank you for your word. And you tell us very clearly what we're to be about. We're to draw near to God. We're to hold fast to truth, to doctrine. We're not to give up meeting together. We're to spur one another on towards loving you and loving others. And we're to encourage one another. Lord, make that real. As real as these communion cups we're about to hold. As real as your death on the cross, Jesus. And so as we celebrate communion, Jesus, we just want to do it in remembrance of you. That you are the ultimate giver. Because you gave your life willingly that we would have eternal life.